Okay. Hi, today I'm, I'm Stephanie Reed, the Inspirationalist, and today I have a guest on my show. Her name is uh, Miranda uh, Kennedy. 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 I keep saying Kennedy. Kennedy. And thanks for joining me on today. Uh, Miranda's going, we're going to talk about two topics that I'm sure that it's a lot of people will cater to uh, about marriage relationships. And then also she has a special needs daughter, and she's going to give us some advice on, on, on how she's intertwining and how that's uh, how it works out in her home with, with a, a, a being a married couple and living with a special needs child. So we're just going to start off, go right directly to our questions. Um, let me start off with this first question here that I have for you, uh, Miranda. Um, I, I originally said that, can I, uh, can you give a brief uh, overview about your husband and your marriage relationship? But can you give it just a brief overview about your home and the, the your your spouse and then the relationship with the special needs child yes well um as i define marriage so marriage is two people becoming one and that is um hard right it's hard to it's difficult to do and then when you um add a special needs child into the mix that makes it all the more difficult um my husband and I, you know, I really wish I could put um, my finger on what the issue was other than like communication. We really have this this problem with a, um, a lack of communication. And I believe it all just stems from um, like he works nights and sleeps all day, you know, so it's just there's several things, you know, playing into the complexity of our marriage, but we decided to marry, to um, stick with it um, for the long, in the long haul. Let me and, ask you this quick question here. Um, now, when you say that the difference is, could it be just like, kind of like men kind of think a little differently from women and stuff. And so a lot of women don't understand it. They don't know that. So for parents that are with probably a spouse that the special needs child that um, uh, they're not quite understanding why that male is not responding the way that they respond. They respond. Could you give us a little thought on that? Your thoughts on that? Well, um, I think there has to be a desire to um, please, a desire to please your spouse. And that desire to please them has to extend beyond the conversation, you know, beyond the initial, I heard what you said, and I'm going to um, make some, you know, I'm going to make an effort to please you for the next uh, few days. And then as life happens, as it does, things, you get busy and th those efforts aren't made anymore. And so in those instances, I find that it's important to um, find other reasons to stay married, find other reasons to, um, to hang in there. When you're not exactly pleased mm -hmm. with how the relationship is going, it's still necessary to, um, to stay married, especially I, I do believe, especially when where children are involved. 
Yes, yes, that is definitely so specifically. That is, it's it's really a downhill on that nowadays because a lot of people people are just not even getting married and they're having children, and the homes are split, and then um, um, you know, then the child's tossed back and forth and stuff, and so they're. Uh, and some of these things can cause children to go into mental illnesses or start to suffer from different types of uh, stress and stuff, what leads into them them having mental illnesses too. Um, now, let's kind of talk a little bit about your daughter. Um, you stated that, okay, that um, she has, uh, she's special needs. And you wanted to, you kind of, when you sent me over the notice about the information that you was wanted to talk about, it included her. IEP and her yeah. 504. Now, special needs children, um, they have, uh, explain to us about the I, IEP, IEP and the 504. What is the reasoning for the five IEP and then the 504? Oh, certainly. My daughter has an intellectual disability diagnosis, so she has an IEP, an individual education plan. And in that plan are goals to help her matriculate like through grade school and to graduate. And there are some accommodations and modifications that she needs. Like um, for example, her tests are read to her. Um, she has additional time to um, complete exams, all these things are written into this plan in order to help her be successful. And she's in the ninth grade. So successfully complete high school, that's what they're there for. And I am not as familiar with the 504, but I know that it is very similar in that there it has accommodations and modifications that will help the student um, successfully com complete um, grade school. And the what's written in those, um, those goals that are written are agreed upon by all members of the team, um, the special education teacher, the general education teacher, any therapist, clinicians, um, administrators, and certainly the parents, they all work together to generate this document that they're all supposed to use to help the child be successful academically. Now, yeah, yeah. And so have you seen any um, uh, special needs students that are parents, have you ran into any parents that were not satisfied? Because sometimes um, some of the things that you ask for, for instance, with my niece, I asked for speech. Uh, having her taken out of class and, and, and a little bit more on speech. Well, they didn't want to separate her because they felt like it would intimidate the other children. Well, I later found out that I could have pushed more into that and they were supposed to respond. They were supposed to, you know, grant my wish. Uh, explain to us your, your experience in that. Yes, I think that... Um... I, my daughter has attended public, private, and charter school. We moved her around looking for the right fit for her. Every school is not the right fit for every student. So we moved her around a bit. And I think um, we're pretty happy at the location that she's in now. And she, she's with a, um, a charter school. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty... Um, it happens often, should, should I say, that parents are not 
pleased or satisfied with the goals that are outlined, the accommodations that are given, the modifications that are suggested. And that's why we work together with the other members of like, it's a team concept, right? And so we work together to um, do what's best uh, for the student in order to help them to graduate. And so the school is naturally going to um, mention their shortcomings, their lack of resources, their lack of um, um, teachers and, and therapists and things like that. But I think as a parent, it's not our job to um, speak to what the child, what the student, I'm sorry, what the school is able to provide. Our job is to speak to what your student, your child needs. And so we speak to those needs and, and if they aren't able to accommodate them, we push, right? We, we talk about other resources. We talk about um, maybe nonprofit organizations, after school programs. We talk those things through. That's the teamwork piece when you have all these people gathered together with all these varying experiences and we can talk through any difficulties um, that may present itself if the, if the school doesn't have uh, the resources, but I think the most important thing is to be connected mm -hmm. to other special education parents, be in some type of community where you exchange information so that um, you you know, right? You know what's happening in other parts of the country uh, with moms who attend these IEP meetings. You know the language that they use to get what they what. Um, what their student needed. And most importantly, I think the goal is to work with the IEP team. And too often I see in these, um, a lot, many of the, the ones that I frequent are Facebook communities. So often I see parents saying, I'm fighting for, I'm fighting for this for my child. I'm fighting for that for my child. And I think, the attitude of fighting is what is um, causing the problem. There should be more of um, a collaborative effort, right? I think, and that's what I want to do is just kind of encourage parents to be more um, willing to um, collaborate, network, work together with the other members of the team. I liken it to um, gathering honey, right? Mm -hmm. Your ability to get the honey from the beehive is gonna depend largely upon your approach, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can approach it in a way um, where you get honey or you can approach it in a way where you get stung. It's really up to you. And so I'm, um, and so that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm working on an e-course to um, kind of train parents to do what I've done, um, which is become a respected member of the IEP team. It wasn't easy. It took a lot of work. But the point is, is that I'm no longer seen as a guest. My seat at the IEP table is not a visiting parent's seat. It's a respected 
team member seat. And I think that's what every special needs parents need. That's the perspective that they need to have when they sit at that table. And it's certainly not beyond a special education parent to present themselves as the expert in their child and thereby gaining the respect of the other team members. But it, it just takes time and it certainly takes a change of mindset from fighting to collaborating with the team. Yeah, you know, uh, there are, and, and me, you know, I don't know, other special needs parents that may hear this, you also know that there are different levels that are on the spectrum. And so each child, they may be intellectually disabled in certain areas where they have more, they're more a little bit more keen in, in other areas. Some may not be able to read, but they're read, but they're visual. Um, what levels of your daughter does she does she work at? Because I know I heard you saying that she 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 attends a special needs uh, program at a regular school, whereas my niece was put in an actual uh, uh, a school that everyone in there was a uh, 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 special needs there. Yes. So, oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So my daughter is. Um... She is very outgoing. Mm -hmm. She's very um, talkative. She's very friendly. Um, I've had um, co more conversations in a grocery line with strangers than I had than I have ever cared to because of her willingness to talk. Mm -hmm. And so she can have that initial conversation. Um, like, what's your name? What do you do? You know, how old are you? Mm -hmm. But, but, um, as the con conversation progresses, um, there is an, there's an obvious indication that she is, um, a special education student, you know, just after a few minutes of, of speaking to her. So her problem, she has, she doesn't have any physical, um, disabilities, Hers are all intellectual. And if I had to guess, I believe that um, her last IQ test, she was about third grade. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing probably still about third grade. Mm -hmm. You know, what's interesting to me is how they self-learn because they learn differently from us. You know, uh, like I said, my niece is 23 and um, I see her progressing. Once she got, she's, once she figured out I'm an adult, and there was a different change in how she even was re receptive of getting out there and learning things herself. And she's in a program that's helping her uh, to do a lot of little things. Now they, you know, with them, they have to take each step at a time. Uh, now my niece, she'll, she'll go look on the phone and, and she talks to the Google's things on and voice on the phone to find things and search for things. Um, social, when it comes to like social media, is your daughter like connected to any type of uh, social uh, uh, media. Well, I had to keep her off of social okay. media okay. because she, um, you know, they are just born tech savvy, aren't they? They just know how to use the phone. They know how to open apps. They know how to create profiles. Like they know how to to navigate things, and um, so and she knows how. She can't spell or type or anything like that, but she knows how to use voice to text. Mm because um, she doesn't always pronounce words um, clearly or correctly. And even and if she does use voice to text and something is spelled inappropriately or 
you know, she can't make that correction. And so we didn't want her to send any any messages like with profane language in it or anything like that. So no, she's not allowed to be on any social media platforms, but she does enjoy um, a good pepper pig um, yeah. every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, it is kind of interesting. The reason why I asked that question is because my niece uh, went to the program and one of the, one of the young, young adults there, uh, they put her on Facebook. And it just so happened that she doesn't she doesn't have access to social media. I have a page for her, but I control the page. She doesn't have the access to go in there and do it. I have an Instagram for it. But um, the, the 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 young lady went in and opened up her Facebook, and uh, she got out of the blue. She's like, "Here, you know, guess what? I'm on I'm on Facebook." And I was like, "What?" And so I mean, and then she has all these people that are coming. Well, that was rectified, you know. But a, a lot of kids, like you're saying, you know, with with social media being such a broad just to me all over the place you can find anything you want on there it could be a very danger for for, for those, those that do connect and that's one of the things i the, the the director of the program she got on it immediately when i let her know you know and uh to let i guess she had a meeting with them to let them know the danger of it you know but you know can you imagine people that that not people but uh the people that are that are special needs that get on there they don't have the intellectual ability to really understand, you know, yeah. uh, you know, what it's, how to maneuver through it and stuff like that. And I don't know, you know, so it would probably be fine. I, I think that it would probably be fine if it were not for uh, those folks who are predatory on those social media platforms. If it wasn't for those folks, I believe that your niece, my daughter, could um, navigate those platforms and could enjoy connecting with their friends on those platforms, um, just like we do. So um, my daughter um, connects with her friends via FaceTime, mm -hmm. um, text messaging. So she's still able to maintain those um, those relationships um, using technology, but um, just through just through texting as opposed to any social media platforms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that is, um, yeah, that that that's it. Now I want to kind of uh, shift over a little bit, and um, um, just there's a couple of questions that I had written down for you. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and ask this question, but I'm gonna kind of rephrase it a little bit. And I put on there about how many uh, women are seeking. Uh, I don't think I want to ask that question. But there are many women that are seeking spouses and, and, and relationships and they want male. And so they end up, a lot of them end up marrying into a, a immersion family that they may take on someone that has a special needs child or, or you know, or the, the woman or the man. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, if, a, you know, because, you know, people nowadays, this generation is very, very picky, but then, you know, sometimes it, falls where it falls, love falls where it falls. And then you have to accept the fact that this person has a special needs, uh, uh, you know, family member. You know, I would test it. I, I would never suggest living with your um, intended. I would never say that, but I really think it would be wise to fully understand the extent of the need of um, that that um, young adult or that, 
um, school age child, I would fully like comprehend like a day in the life, you know, I would really um, spend some time there and um, just get a full understanding of the commitment and not just the commitment, of course, to the um, the child with the ex exceptional need, but um, acknowledging the stress, the tension that it will place on the relationship. I think um, that's a piece that should certainly be um, examined and discussed thoroughly. Most definitely because you have, today it's just so, so much horrible stuff is going on and you see people that go into relationships and, you know, more than likely there's, you know, a lot of people that went into those relationships where special needs uh, child was in there and then there ends up being some molestation or rape or that sort of thing. And it traumatizes um, that particular child. And then, you know, Every, it's traumatic for the, the, the mom. Yeah, it's traumatic. But just imagine be, be, the level of their intellectual disability does not allow them to comprehend Right, you know, to the level where it—I it, mean, it's, it's devastating with all children. Yes, but it's just—it, I—I don't know. Yeah, it would be hard to verbalize it, and and then confirm comprehension. Yeah. Right. Um, Gather would, information. Yes. Would counts like um, a counseling session? How successful would it be? How long would it take? Um, when you're thinking about someone who's intellectually disabled then experiencing something like that. Yes, I think it's doable, but I think it's um, it's a definite commitment. Um, it's definitely a, a commitment on all parties. You can't um, be selfish. You cannot be selfish. Right, that recovery period would yeah. be lengthy indeed. Yeah. Because if someone is selfish, boy, I tell you, you got problems on your hands. They want well, attention. I don't think marriage and parenting is for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. That is so true. Um, but I, oh, go ahead. the alternative, um, yes, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking that um, the alternative to... Um, marriage is of course being single and for many women that's not appealing either so yeah, yeah. they have a decision um, a decision to make and it's a tough one and um, I think it's um, one that people enter into lightly yeah. and that's why um, you know divorce is on the rise and if you divorce once the probability of you divorcing a second time is even higher and if yes. you divorce time the probability of you divorcing a third time is even that much higher so so yes yeah you know what let me just go here you have a nonprofit organization that says why stay marriage tell us why stay married tell us a little bit about that your organization Yes, um, that title, Why Stay Married, um, it's, it's, a, it's a good question because depending on your perception of marriage, you may, you may read it and think, I can come up with several reasons to stay married. Mm -hmm. I, I can answer that question, no problem. Um, but then if you're in a difficult uh, marriage like myself, 
you may struggle with an answer like why I'm not sure, like um, help me, give me a reason. And so um, the nonprofit was kind of birthed from my book. It's called, Why Should You Stay Married? And it contains seven reasons that, should per that can permanently change your mindset on marriage. And you can find that on Amazon. It's a journal. And I, I think that journaling is so important, like getting your feelings out on paper and then like going back. So it's one thing to get your feelings on paper, but then going back and reading it again and just seeing hopefully a transformation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> change, right? A change of heart, a change of mind, like going back and then reading it again and seeing a change and then having an opportunity to um, write that down as well. Mm -hmm. Like a week, a month ago, this was my response to this journal question. And now I feel this way. And then to just include that too, and just use it as like a documentation of your journey, your transformation. And so um, that's what the book is about. And I'm considering a volume two, seven additional ways or wow. um, seven additional reasons should I say to stay married because if you're in a difficult marriage you may not be able to think of one yeah. <laughs> most high you are feeling hurt and um, you have an opportunity to leave and if you say um, why stay married and you can't come up with the reason you may leave but if you have the journal you have a way something that you can open and look you know you have seven options and preferably one of those will keep you there yeah, before yeah. <laughs> keep you there yeah. yes and the the premise is that um why Stay Married is a nonprofit organization that encourages women to stay married in the absence of abuse, adultery, and abandonment. And it's so important to state that, 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 yes. that, that, that we encourage you to stay when those things are absent. And um, we have a support group um, on Clubhouse. I was, and gonna, I was just, just getting ready to ask you about that because I did write that down. Now you do have a group on Clubhouse. And I looked at it, you have like 3,000 followers, almost close to 3,000 followers at this point. And you have six rooms a week. Uh, what are your topics of discussion? Tell us a little bit about that. Certainly. Um, we primarily, the Monday through Friday room is a Bible study. Mm -hmm. Because... Um, our marriages are unto God. Um, Why Stay Marriage is a Christian organization. Our marriages are unto God. The vows that we make, we make them to God. And the person who's standing next to us, you know, like that person may change. If you become a widow and you marry again, your vows are the same. It's the same promise, but it's a different man because the promise is to God. And um, we frequently talk about how um, Jesus is married to the church and how the church gives him reason to divorce, <laughs> but he doesn't, right? He, he loves us and he, he's coming back for us. So um, we have three tiers. We encourage women to stay married through Bible study. 
And like I mentioned, those that room is six days a week. And we also have a self-care room that's twice a month. And um, the lady who runs that room, LaVon Weaver, she is amazing. And um, she encourages us to do self-care practices daily. And those things um, um, soothe, soothe our hearts, soothe our minds, and put us in the right state of mind in order to um, in order to stay married. And the third tier is community service where we go out and serve others. So it's not just staying married. It's like while you're there, we study the Bible together. While while we're staying married, we um, practice self-care. While we're staying married, we go out and serve others. We serve in our community. And um, the hope is that through those three things and through a community of women that we're able to encourage each other to stay married. <clears throat> and I, I also want to share this story about Excuse me. That, that was, okay. Yeah, that was out for a minute. Okay. Yeah, that was an alarm. Okay. I, I want to share the story about my grandparents. Um, when I grew up in Los Angeles, and I had a year where I was wilding out, like having really bad behavior. My mother sent me to Louisiana to stay with my grandparents, and I saw them bicker. I saw them argue. I saw them fight. And I saw my my grandfather leave and he wouldn't get in his truck and drive off. He would get under, under his truck. And I remember going out there and just looking under there with him. And he'd say, hand me a screwdriver, hand me a wrench. And that's how I learned all those tools. And so I, and so now that I'm a, an adult, I look back on all those times when I saw them bickering, but he never left. I saw them bickering and she always made dinner for him. She always made his plate. We always sat down for dinner together and they had um, conversation. You know, they, they spoke kindly to each other during dinner and um, they died in their early 90s. So as an adult, as a married woman, as a as a parent, I got to spend time with each of them in the hospital. I got to be with them and care for them and love on them in those last um, years of their life. And, and what I saw was love, right? Something that endured for um, over 50 years, something that endured. Uh, my grandmother was in the hospital again, and she and I were in the room by ourselves. And we were expecting my uncle to bring my grandfather, who was in a wheelchair by this time. So the door opened. He, he came in um, by the power of my uncle. My uncle pushed him into the room. He saw me and he did a little nod, a little smile, and he looked over to my grandmother. And so I looked at her too, and it was a moment. It was a moment like love just filled the air. And so, as, so my uncle pushed him in the room, but when he when their eyes locked, it was just a moment, like something 
um, tangible, this tangible feeling of love was in that hospital room. And with her feeble weak hand, she, it was palm down on her bed. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, my grandmother um, slowly turned her hand from being palm down to palm up. Um, it was like it, it took, you know, all, all the strength she had to just um, turn her hand over. But when she did that, my grandfather, who came into the room under the power of my uncle pushing him in his wheelchair, grabbed the wheels of that wheelchair and, um, and showed great strength, I thought, for a 90-year-old man to roll himself toward her quickly and with strength and power. He, he turned those wheels on that wheelchair and he, he leaned and he put his hand on top of her open palm. And I was just so grateful. That's when I knew that it's a journey. Like marriage is a journey. You're gonna bicker. You should, you're gonna want a divorce <laughs> at least once, right? You're gonna want a divorce. Even like me, you may even file a couple of times, but the idea is to hang in there. Oneness comes over time and oneness comes through going through some trials and that's what makes um, that love so beautiful when um, it's matured, right? It takes a lifetime for it to mature and just be um, the beautiful thing that it was. And I just could not have been more grateful to, ex to have lived with them that year as a teenager and, 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 and saw them argue and, and, and fight and disagree but he never left. He just went outside and instead of getting in the car, he got under the car. He never left and they endured to the end. And I'm so happy to have been there. And, and, and I saw oneness. I didn't, my mom divorced twice. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't even know for sure if it was possible, but I got an opportunity to see it. So um, like I mentioned, um, both times when I filed for divorce, and this was prior to um, um, my grandparents aging into their 90s. This was early on in our marriage when I filed for divorce. And um, both times, like I mentioned, my husband talked me out of continuing with the process, uh, mentioning our children and mentioning his experience when his parents divorced and then reminding me of my experience when my parents divorced. And so um, those were the reasons why he wanted me to, um, to stay married. He wanted us to stay together. But now, you know, like I mentioned, I have this book that has seven reasons in it. And I'm hoping to write a volume two with an additional seven, because I think um, when you have a challenging marriage, you should always have a reason to stay because your spouse, your husband, or your wife may not be <laughs> the reason um, at that particular moment when you really want to go. Now, you said uh, you talked about a little bit under the umbrella of Christianity. 
uh, I kind of label that a little different today because there's so many different beliefs under the umbrella of Christianity. When I talk about under the umbrella of uh, uh, the the doctrine of Jesus Christ, uh, we know that the, the teachings there. It uh, I think Paul he specifically explained um, the responsibility for the husband and responsibility for the wife. And throughout Scripture, we know even individually that we are we are going to experience weaknesses and stuff. And so I think knowing ahead of time can that what you're expecting, like if I'm expecting something, expect, okay, this is, this is, I expect this to be, this may happen, kind of gives you a chance to kind of like prepare for it. And like I said, as a believer at Christ, you know, you prepare, you prepare in prayer, fasting, seeking God, and then connecting to those uh, uh, like-minded. And that's where your strength comes in, you know, comes from. And um, today, traditional marriage, of course, it's, it's, it's kind of feathering. They're trying, they're trying to feather it away, but and I, I think that anything that's orchestrated by God, you know, uh, uh, it's, 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 uh, it seems to be they're trying to just remove it and take it away. I'm well, sorry. what the enemy does, right? That that's so that's no surprise. But it, when you when when you're talking about expectations, I think it's it's best to keep them low. Okay. Keep them very low. <laughs> well, you know, when I say expectations, it's like okay, there's certain things that you already know that this is going to happen even if you're single you kind of know okay if i um uh, i if i say for instance if i go pray for a sister or brother and in, in prayer and and saying that believing god with them and uh and god spirit spirit of the lord in me uses me to rebuke the enemy that's tormenting them and then i expect the fact that the fact that what i did and the devil doesn't like that that i expect the fact okay the, you're going to come back and try to challenge me but I'm going to be prepared, already ready for you. And then when I say that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Being ready for it and being ready and prepared is connecting to groups like yours, connecting with people yeah. that are, that have the resources and the experience, you know, that yeah. can help you be prepared and ready and they can give you insight on, on how to handle various areas that you may come into in marriage and what to do and, and to not just uh, personally try to do it, but just intertwine that biblical knowledge of how to do it too because when you there's re, when you read the bible there's responsibility on both ends you know we i grew up sometimes years ago it was seemed like it was more on the women women you do this women you do that the reason why you're not married because of this the reason why this is that you know but <laughs> when you actually read it in scripture it's a major responsibility on both parts it's really major on the the husband because he's the head of the home he's the head yeah. of the home so yeah. um, um anything else you want to add to that um well marriage is um for a lifetime it is and it's not because of um the person is perfect we we love them um just the way they are yeah and the thing about marriage is that there always has to be this like ongoing forgiveness piece yeah. And so I constantly remind myself, no, you've forgiven him for that already. It's like, no, you have a memory, right? Like you remember. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and just as you remember those things that were said and done to hurt you, you have to remember like, oh yeah, I forgave him for that. You know, like, um, like beat back your flesh. Like, don't, don't cry about that again. Don't feel bad about that again you have forgiven, you've moved on. 
because I think that an, an, another big problem is that um, men and women don't view their bodies like their like their flesh as their enemy. They don't see that their bodies cause them to sin against the Lord, like lust and cravings and desires and boasting, like all these things, the body, um, these are urges that we feel in our body. And so I think that if more uh, couples realize like that the, the body is an enemy, the flesh is an enemy, then you can address it as such. Yeah. When you have yeah. these desires for your neighbor or these cravings, even like something like simple cravings for another slice of cake when you've already had to, like cravings, yeah. you know, yeah. just all these things that the body does. And so we don't give into it, right? We don't let it rule us, we rule it. But then you can see people, you can visually see men and women who are owned by their bodies, by the way they dress. Um, you can see them um, that their, their flesh owns them by the way they talk about themselves and their accomplishments. You can see that they are just being a victim of the flesh and they don't, they are just none the wiser. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really a kind of a knockdown today. Like I said, I, I view the church world completely different from my beliefs. Um, I believe in the church of Jesus Christ. And so there's a major difference there because under the umbrella of the church of the world, there's just inclusive universal stuff and all these things that are going on, which it, it accepts anything. And so you, you won't be you're constantly, like you said, like the Bible says, in the last days, men shall be lovers of themselves. And we see that going on today. It's like everything is about themselves. And and you wonder, do you think about your kids? Do you think about your spouse, your spouse, or your parents? Or everything on that line seems to be about themselves. I'm going yeah. to ask you a bonus question here. Oh, certainly. This is just a bonus question. This is just kind of what I've observed currently that's going on now. Um, I see a lot of... Uh, a lot of women, especially with the our, within our community, that are seeking um, relationships outside the country. Have you noticed that? I don't know if you've noticed that. I think that's so wise. Okay. I think that is so wise because there's this premise that the um, there are no more good men. They're either in jail, they're either married, or they're um, homosexual. There are no more, there are no good men. And you, if you hear that enough, <clears throat> pardon me, if you hear that enough, you may buy into it. Like dating is so hard. And so that statement becomes real. And so, but then when you, you take yourself outside of your neighborhood, outside of your city, outside of your office building, when you take yourselves outside of, of those boundaries and you open yourself up to the world using technology, like you're on the West Coast. I mean, yeah, you're on the West Coast. I'm in um, in the South, you know, when you remove the those physical barriers through technology, you open up um, the whole world. There's a whole world of dating. And I think that's 
Um, I think that's wonderful. There's uh, also um, this move um, among African-American women to become expatriates, to move from the United States and make their homes in other countries. And I am um, enamored with that. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I watch these women's lives in Lisbon, Portugal, in um, Mexico City, um, New Me uh, Mexico, Mexico City, Mexico, and Panama. I watch their lives and I am intrigued and excited for them that they just get to be American women. They're not black. They're just, they're American women and there's a certain level of respect and also like a certain level of curiosity by um, the people who live in their country, but they feel safe. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I, I have difficulty wrapping my mind around mm -hmm. how this one lady says, oh yeah, I take my dog out sometimes at midnight if I'm up working late. I'll take her out at midnight and we'll just walk. Mm -hmm. And I cannot imagine that. And so, um, different I'm, cultures. Different yeah, cultures. I and think, it's, and they're dating. Right, some of those countries, they don't have the crime that we have in the United States, stricter laws and stuff like that. And so I've heard them say the same thing, you know, that they're, they've met their spouse online and they communicated back and forth. And, and some of them have stipulations, they have groups and they, that they connect to and there's stipulations that the one, you know, the person that's from overseas has to be confined to certain rules in order to be a part of the group. And they do do background checks and that sort of thing. Uh, uh, yes, not I'm just not with any dating specific apps for dating overseas. I'm not familiar with that, but I am a part of an expat community where they have get togethers. Like, you know, they'll they'll get together in a particular city and just, you know, just meet each other and and you know, of course from that um dating happens. So that's yeah. That's so healthy. That is very healthy to me. Yes. It's it's, it's very healthy to think us to go outside the box because we can be so confined. And I've seen it for years where women were so confined in one environment and they just grow old and miserable because they're afraid to go outside of that box or, or, or meet people outside of there. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was my bonus question that I just wanted to have for you. I have one last, um, um, what I want you to do now, just tell us, you know, tell uh, our audience, my audience how to get in contact with you, how to connect with you and your groups. Certainly, um, through the nonprofit organization, Why Stay Married, um, we have, um, like I mentioned, our daily Bible studies, Monday through Friday. And um, on the East Coast, it's at 5 a.m. Central Stand, uh, East, Eastern Standard Time. But um, they're all recorded. So you can definitely um, listen to those recorded rooms. We've studied... 18, well, should I say 17 books of the Bible together in less than two years. Wow. And we're presently studying our 18th book and it's First John. And um, the book of First John is so, it's so good. It's just yeah. packed. So we've been really enjoying First um, John. And so I certainly would like to um, welcome um, all 
um, the members of your audience to join us on Clubhouse in the club, Why Stay Married, in the room theology, where we attempt to go deeper than you would on a Sunday morning and certainly deeper than you would in a daily devotional. It's one chapter in one hour, and um, it's been pretty amazing. So you can reach me there. I also have a website, um, MirindaCannady.com. I'm on other social media platforms, um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, those are also platforms that I can be um, connected with. Okay. I can, you can send those over to me and I'll tag them onto the video so that they'll have, be able to get in contact with you. Okay, awesome. You. I can also send you a link to my book. Oh, yes. Yes. I can yeah. send you a link to but I don't, um, my, I'm still working on the e-course, so I don't have anything specifically for that. And um, so 